share with you. I'd like to share with you a little bit of a thought process and uh, see where it takes us. This is an aura which is, sits by you for a long time and then at some point it sort of like expands into a full thought. So the starting part of the thought process was actually irrelevant was in regards to Purim. And then I started wondering if this, this same thought which applies to Purim would apply to Pesach. Because I do seem to see the, a continuum between Purim and Pesach. I think I spoke about that last year, the Purim, Pesach, Shuas connection. Um, so this is maybe a different point in that connection, but there is a flow which Chazal seemed to see that there's a connection between the two. Specifically, the Gemara discusses why we celebrate Purim in Adr Shani. Uh, it seems to be from the Gemara that the, the, that piece of the Gemara, there's other Gemaras which indicate otherwise, but that the extra month is Adr Shani. That the extra month is Adr Shani means Adr Rishan is the 12th month. And we're saying instead of going to Nisan, we're going to a 13th month. So we're adding another month. So logic would be that Purim should be celebrated in Adr Rishan because that's Adr. Um, so why are we celebrating Adr Shani? And the more it says to be Masmat Gula Lagula because the two Gulas go together. So in order that the two Gulas go together, so therefore we, we celebrate Purim in Adr Shani. So it means we're simply, we're, there seems to be a connection between the two Gulas. So I'm going to borrow a little bit from the thought regards to regards to Purim, and then we're going to see if it if, if and how it applies to uh, Pesach. So if you look at your your notes, um, on page four. There's a Gemara. This is a quote from a Gemara in Megillah. The Gemara says, "Loyigra mitzadik enov," that the Bereshim never withholds from the tzadik. The Bereshim's focus on the tzadik means the Bereshim does. The tzadik does something. No, 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 no. Tzadik does something, and eventually the Bereshim finds a way to pay him back. It might take a long time, and the Bereshim never loses sight of that fact that he deserves this payment. So the more says, So Rachel had sneers. Because of that, she was to have many, many generations later a descendant named Shaul. And because of Shaul's sneers, he was to have a descendant named Esther. And that's the more saying, there's a connection of sneers over here. So Moore says, what was the sneeze by Rachel? The more goes to the whole story that the Yaakov gave Rachel the simonim. Rachel saw that they're taking Leah in instead of her, and she gave the simonim over to her sister. Um, then the more continues to says, what was the sneeze of Shaul? The more says that uh, Shaul was sent by his father to Shmuel, the Navi, to clarify where they lost the, some osonos, some animals. And while he was there, Shmuel sees him and anoints him to be the Melech, the, the Melech Yisrael, the first Melech Yisrael. 
he comes back home, and his father asks him, "Did you did you find out where the Asanas were?" And he says, "He told him where the Asanas were." He did not say over the fact that he had been he had been appointed to be the Melech Yisrael. A tremendous anivis on his part that he didn't mention that, and that's what allowed him to allowed him to be to have Esther. So we have to understand what exactly is the sneeze element by Rachel. And what is the sneeze element by Esther? Sneeze being the idea of modesty that doesn't seem to fit into the words over here. What the, the point wasn't modesty. The sneeze was the fact that uh, she was quiet. She didn't say something, and that says it's a tsunu and the fact that she kept quiet. So, Ain Esther Magedis, we find that Esther did not say anything, and Rachel didn't say anything, she kept quiet so maybe that's the element of sneeze so it's also difficult to understand that in that way because the morale in, in his introduction to his safer on the, on the Megillah and on Purim he says that, he points out that the meter of sneeze for Esther was very significant because the Yeshua which Kaiso needed could only work through a, a Yeshua Tzniyas because there was an extraordinary moment of, which was needed, the Yeshua for Klai Yisrael, and only the Midat Tzniyas could accomplish that, and we'll explain that why in a second. But if the Tzniyas is the idea of being silent, so the moment when the Yeshua was necessary, why was she talking? If the whole point is that you need the Tzniyas for the Yeshua, and the Yeshua has to be, uh, needs Tzniyas, and the Tzniyas is being quiet, so the moment you need the Yeshua, you can't talk, you have to be quiet. So that can't be the shot. So uh, what, what I would like to suggest that the Mirotznias over here is referring to the idea of being Matznia oneself, to hide oneself, i.e. take yourself out of the picture. I'm hiding myself. It means normally the focus is on myself. And I'm moving that away. The physical manifestation of that would be I'm not drawing attention to myself because I'm not focusing on myself. I'm not self-centered. I'm not egocentric. I'm living in a world where the focus is outward. So we look at Rachel Yimenu, and that's an extraordinary understanding of what happened over here. She is supposed to become the wife of Yaakov Avinu. She is supposed to be the mother of Klai Yisrael. She doesn't know when she makes this decision of forgoing the simonim that what's going to happen is that Yaakov is going to marry her a week later. As far as she knows, she's giving up the opportunity to be Yaakov's wife. That means the mother of Christ of all the generations to be to, to come will be Leah. Leah will be have the eternity the, of being the mother of Yisrael. She's going to marry Esav instead and have Amalek as a grandson. And that's what she's giving up. That's an extraordinary act of sneeze in the sense of totally ignoring herself and focusing on somebody else's needs. My sister's going to be embarrassed. I need to focus on that and not on myself. So she totally hid herself in the sense of she took herself out of the picture. Esther, the way the Vilna God explains the conversation between Esther and Mordecai when it comes to the time to, to go to Tachashverish, and Esther seems to hesitate, she basically was arguing that we with that. In general, he calls him yes, at a certain point in time, and obviously, when he call, when Achazeresh calls for, for Esther, she has to go. They, at that point in time, she's forced to be with with the Melech, and she remains permitted to her husband Mordechai, who's her husband. If she goes to the, to the king willingly, so once they're 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 together discussing that she'll be with the king, the king will take advantage of that opportunity. But she went willingly; she will lose the. Uh, she went willingly to, to, to another man she's going to be prohibited to her husband she didn't want that so at the moment of Yeshua she's focusing on her needs so Mordechai says to her 
if you don't do something now if now in the moment when it's necessary if you don't address it then th- th- you can't be the source of the Yeshua because the Yeshua has to be by a person taking himself out of the picture and focusing on the needs of others the Christ needs the Yeshua right now they don't want to wait so if you can't do that and you're going to be self-focused even to a small amount, even to a, 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 that that minimal amount is going to be you can't be the source of the Yeshua, and the morale says because the Yeshua that Kaisa really was deserved of destruction for many reasons that the Russian should go above and beyond and give Kaisa that Yeshua requires that the human beings involved will go above and beyond. So that's the Mitzniyas, which is she's called upon. So that 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 idea of being Matzniyah oneself and taking oneself out of the picture, the selflessness that Rachel that that Rachel Imenu had shown many generations earlier, was now being expressed in her descendant. When, when Esther says, "Okay, I'm giving myself up, Kashravati Avodati, I'm ready to do that." So that's I understand the Nakuda of Geula, which is being expressed by in Purim. So then I started wondering if we could, if, if that is true in regards to Pesach as well. Do we find such a such a point in regards to Pesach. So it's interesting when we look at Mashur Benu, we look at the Torah's biography of Mashur Benu. Mashur Benu comes on the scene. Mashur Benu is going to be the person who's going to be the shliach, the, the vehicle to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. He's going to be the vehicle to give the Torah to Klai Yisrael. And we're describing him, the Torah is describing Mashur Benu, basically Parag Bays of Shmois is describing Mashur Benu. So what do you know about Mashur Benu? He's living in the palace, and he leaves the palace, and the matter says he goes to the people, he says, I wish I could replace you, and he puts, takes off his cloak, and he puts his shoulder to the, with the people. He takes himself out of the lap of luxury of the palace, and he goes out to the people. He goes out the second day, and he sees that there's something taking place, and he addresses it, even though I would believe that in the back of his mind, he understood that, that this action which he's taking against a, 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 a mitzri, on the behalf of a Jew, is going to endanger his position in the palace. And he does it anyway. And that's exactly what happened. So what we're told about Moshe Rabbeinu was he's not an enavalibai, he focused on Klai Yisrael, not on himself. And then at the end of that capital, we hear that Kodesh Baruch was going to be going Klai Yisrael, because Vayedel Akim and Kodesh Baruch, Rashi says the exact same phrase, Kodesh Baruch was not an enavalibai on Klai Yisrael. When Moshe Rabbeinu, as it were, aroused this approach of selflessness, that he wasn't focused on, you could, he was the one who commits power to give the Jews a day off. He could rest in his laurels. He was a great Askin, he sat in the, he sat in the, the, the halls of power, and he convinced the, the great Pharaoh to allow the Jews to have Shabbos off, the Medrash says. That's quite an accomplishment, right? No, he didn't. He went out there and he, he put himself into the trenches. So that, that's what we know about Moshe Rabbeinu. That's all we know about him. The matter says he goes, he runs away, and he goes to another place. And he again, what does he do? He helps somebody. He's a total stranger in a land, and he's already fighting with people. That's dangerous. And that's the first thing that he does. We find that the that this is the description the Torah gives us of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's all we know about him. We don't know that he's he's brilliant, and we don't know that he's, he's we know he's not a phenomenal speaker, right? We know very little about him in regards to way. This should be the person who's going to be the teacher of Torah to Klayisul. If you would make a list of what you need to be the teacher of Torah to Klayisul, this is not what you would describe. You might maybe throw that in also. Right? 
that he, he was, Moshe Feinstein was a, was a tremendous Tamachochum, and he had a brilliant man, he, he has it over, etc. And he also was a very big Oyev Right? You, you would say, and he also was. I'm, I wanted to say, I'm writing the biography of Moshe Feinstein, I leave out all of the, erudi- the erudition, all of that, I just write about how, how nice he was. You would say it's lacking in the biography. And that's all we get from Moshe Rabbeinu, because that's the biography. You find something extraordinary at the end of at the end of the parsha. We find the 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 Torah describes minimally the the, the details that there is the Shaitri B'nai Yisrael took the makas for their brethren. So to draw a parallel, you, during the Holocaust, you had you had the people who were pointed at having positions of, of power and authority over other Jews, and many of them abused that for their own benefit. And I'm not judging anybody. The, 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 the circumstances were extraordinary. Where the, the Madrashim described what it was like in Mitzrayim, this is basically a similar situation. And these people rose to the occasion and instead they took, they used their position of authority to protect. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to the, 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 to the palace with his kingdom, and the Rashi says, what happened to those kingdom? They got scared and they stopped left behind. Those kingdom eventually were not this kingdom anymore, and the Shorter Ben Yisrael became this kingdom later on. It means the leaders of Klai Yisrael is defined by the fact that you, you're going to Klai Yisrael, yes, you might be killed, but that's your job. You walk into the, into the, the palace of, 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 of Paro, there's lions there, there's guards there, and who knows what's going to be. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, we'll go. And they say, you know, they're, they're mishamit, they, they, they get nervous. I, I'm not judging them, you know. I probably would get nervous also, right? But they, they can't be, they, they're eventually removed from being the leaders of Klai Yisrael. And the Shorty Ben Yisrael later on, Parshish Baal Yisrael says that they became the leaders because of the schools that they took the makas, they took the, the, the punishment for the brethren. So that was the thought process. They said, okay, so this is very interesting to me that this is, the, the Parsha Shmois has this message in multiple ways about this concept of the, of Noise of being selfless and focusing outwards, etc. So they said, okay, do we find this in the Haggadah? If this is such a central element to what we're doing, we would like to find this in the Haggadah. And I, I, I looked through the Haggadah, and it's not there. You don't find it, you know, at least not explicitly. Maybe you can find a medrash in one place, you know, type of a thing. You know, you bend your finger like this, and you can get it in. Until I found, look at number nine. Until I found a, a this is from the Chidot. Um... And he wrote a piece on the Haggadah called Simchas Regal. So he wants to know why we start the Haggadah with, with, with the, 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 the paragraph of Holach Manyan, which is the beginning of, of Magid. Talks about, talks about, talks about, why is that important that we're inviting people over here? Yes, we're Jews are good, we invite people, etc. But why is that Nikva, why is that established as part of the Nusrach of the Haggadah? Why do we have it over there? See, he says multiple explanations, but this is the explanation he says over here in the name of Ateris Roshi Abamari, in the name of his father. Um, then he gives all these titles about his father, etc. So he quotes a Chazal. In the second line over there, Rim Hayyusel Lucas Bemakas Oriv. Kleiser should have been should have been the Medrash says that Kleiser by the Maka of Oriv, Kleiser should have been attacked as well. 
sort of replaced the Maka, which is supposed to be a Kaisro, the Mitzrayim took it instead. And the Pesach says that the Russian gave Mitzrayim as for Klayasil. He did them a favor. He gave Mitzrayim as the Kaifer, as the redemption for the payment instead of Klayasil. So, why should they have been punished by Orif? Why is we say that really the mark of Orif should have went into the land of Goshen? It should have affected the Jews also. The Jews should have been in danger, etc. And they weren't. What's it about? Okay. Now, he brings over here like this. So he suggests... Um, So what's the riot from the, the etc. So the next line. See, he explained that based on the uh, the 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 Mitzrayim, This is what the Rebbe Bachai says. Rebbe Bachai says that the reason why Klai Yisrael was Nishtab the Mitzrayim is because they were not that they were, were not benevolent in helping other people. He says, they were Hoyutzariyayin. So Yayin is Elbegamatria, Taflamid, and that's the amount of years they were supposed to be in Mitzrayim. It was 430 years because they were Tzoreyayin. They were cheap. They, they, weren't, they, were, they, they did not give their largesse to other people. Um, I'm not going to read, all the, read the details over here. So he says like this. Now, it, what happens is the why why Oruv? Why do the animals not attack human beings in general? Because the Chazal say that there's a certain the animals are able to recognize a certain godliness in man, and therefore they don't attack man. So the Zayra says that a person who doesn't do stalker loses that godliness. So what? The Chidor's father is suggesting that that is why Orib should affect the Klaisel also. Because as, if that, as much as this is true, that there was a lack of stalker, there was a lack of that care about other people. The Barashams, Selim Elohim of a Baruch Hu, what we know about Kodesh Baruch Hu, he created the world to, to give. So that's the form of God that, we, where, that man was created in, is that ability to be a giver. When man is not that individual who's giving, he loses his samalukim. So now the animals are no longer scared of him. So the matter says that that, that, that Kaisel should have been affected by, by Oruf. Not by the other makas, because it wasn't a question of a punishment. It's a question of the natural flow of events, is the animals aren't scared of the Jews. Because they're not acting the way they're supposed to be acting. That's what he wants to suggest, is the pshat. Now he quotes a, a, a medrash that when they left Mitzrayim, so on page 5 at the end of the, um, the third line this now makes very sweet with what we understand over here what this gives us a sweetness of understanding the Medrash Avkir so that there's a Medrash called Medrash Avkir which is not extant but it's we have some pieces quoted here and there from the Medrash Avkir. When Klaisel left Mitzrayim, they made a bris amongst themselves. So part of Klaisel Mitzrayim, they made a they made a pact amongst themselves. From now on, we're going to do chesed each other. That's what the Medrash says. 
So why did that, that is specifically what Christ was leaving Mitzrayim? They're about to leave, and they said, okay, they get together to have the final town hall meeting, and let's get, get together and commit. What are we committing to? Doing chess with each other. Why now? So he wants to suggest that based on what we're saying, they realize that this was the source of the, the Gaulus. This is why Klai Yisrael is, had been an Avdus for many years, and they realized that that's the problem. They made a commitment to change. That's what he suggests. Now, it's interesting, the Tanah Leo has almost the exact same Medrash, I did not put it inside, and the Medrash, the language of the Tanah Leo is what, when Klai Yisrael was in Mitzrayim, they made this pact, not when they left. Which fits with what we're seeing in Saint Parsha Shmois that Adarab and the Jews were there for each other, and uh, the, the 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 fact that there was a Jew which was a tattletale went and was a moiser went and told Paro about Moshe Rabbeinu was extraordinary. Rashi says on that, he was scared. He says, now I know. So Rashi says, what, 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 the, no, the matter is no. That's the, that's the simple reading of the Pasuk. Rashi says, no, that's not what it means. It means, now I understand why the Jews are in Golis. Because if they can say Lashon Har about one another, they deserve to be in Golis. The state of being of the relationship with the Kodesh Baruch that we're supposed to have is, is defined by being not in Golis, being with the Kodesh Baruch in Eretz Yisrael. That's the relationship we're supposed to have. Golos is a physical rep- representation. We're not in the state of being that we're supposed to be. So if the root of the relationship with the Kodesh Baruch was built in the fact that we act like him, Lashon Har is impossible. That they, if, if I'm living my life that I want to give to others and care for others and, and be nice to others and be sensitive to others, I can't tell Lashon Har about somebody. I can't endanger his life. Which is the example over here. Rapam Zatzal once said that his mother never spoke Lashon Hara in her life without ever learning the Hilfus Chavetz Chaim, Hilfus She had such a love for, for, for every person, it was impossible for her to say something negative, which in any way possibly might damage somebody. So that's a description of so the morale on the, the, in Gurarye, on that Rashi. He, has, he wrote a commentary, a super commentary on the Rashi called the Gurarye. He says that the relationship of the Jews with the Kodesh Baruch Hu is, 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 ba- is built on the fact that we have to have this intimate relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. But Lashon Hara means we're not focusing on that type of relationship, we're fo- focusing away from that. So they have to be in goals. So I want to see if we can explain it a little bit better. So the, I found this Chidor. So the Chidor says the introduction to the Haggadah is... Chesed, the introduction to the, the, the is, is is outward focus. It's not being self-centered. It's 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 out there. It's this this taking the world from being egocentric to being other person-centric to being God-centric, theocentric, etc. Okay, and then it ends. That's like the first. That's like the first line of the Haggadah, and then it ends. So I, that is what I, what I found was to think about that. That's very fascinating. Like, why don't we have if that's so significant, and that's why that's the, that's the first thing we're hearing in the Haggadah. Why doesn't it come up again and again and again throughout the the the, 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 the seder? So now that's my introduction to tonight's. <laughs> Where I spoke about Rachel uh, Menu and Esther, Shoah Hamalch was also in the middle. What was his tears? The, the tears was his father asked him to do a job, he came back and said, I did the job. 
you're supposed to become the Melch Yisrael. I don't know about you, if I come home after becoming the Melch Yisrael, I say, Dad, you know what happened? I became the Melch Yisrael. So that wasn't my job. So why am I focusing on myself? I'm, I'm, my job was to respond to my father about what he asked me to do. That's what I'm focusing on. I also have to come back to the show. No, no. All right? Let's go back to my matters. You know? Like, that, that's how the Pusik seems to describe me. It's very good. I, I mean, obviously, this is the first mouth of Yisrael. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an historic moment to call Yisrael. Mm-hmm. And the natural reaction of any human being who has any element of ego is going to say, Wow! And even if you don't, I, 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 I once had this aura. Just respond to the question. Um, Rishil Salanter, early in his life, wanted to be known as a tzaddik nister. He wanted to keep his life, his his relationship with the Kodesh very private. This way, he could stay focused on his service without being worried about what other people think, etc. So he planned to present himself as a very plain individual. Rav Chaim Brisker was said that Rishil Salanter was one of the three biggest geniuses of the generation ahead of him before Rav Chaim, the, the, his, his preceding generation, both in his in, in his abilities and in his knowledge. And he was extraordinary extraordinary So Salanter did two things to prepare himself for this, this plan. First thing he did was he memorized all of Shah's Gemara Rashi Toysis verbatim word for word. So he'd never be seen opening a Gemara. Because he could always review it without having to use a Gemara. Number two, number two, he learned to take his very intense davening into a very motionless, emotionless, quick, seemingly cavalier davening. So I'm reading this, this, this story. It's, it's a, um, and there's a sefer called Yad Yecheskel from Rukhatzko Levenstein that Shmuzan that he said when they were in Shanghai. In the back it has stories that, are, that he said over while he was in Shanghai. So it brings this story. I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I knew Shas Balpet, I make sure that you know about it. And I wouldn't tell you because that—that's you know—that's you know that, that doesn't pass. You know, like you know, uh, you know, we're talking. You know, like the Gemara Megillah. You know, you're getting more base at the bottom, like you know, the, the, the third line. You know, I, I would throw it in here and there until you get to know. He didn't want that. He had no interest in that because that's just a distraction from being who he wanted to be. I, I really don't define myself by you. I define myself by I, I care about you. I focus on you. I focus outward. I don't focus I focus on, about me. So Shaw was that times a thousand. That was I, I suggest by Shaw. Okay. So can we maybe find something more a different point here in the gutter that we're missing that is important that we should understand. This will help us understand that. So let's work backwards. Look at number seven. So that's on page three. So the Nevesh HaKayim, Rukhaim Belozhener, he's writing now, he wrote, the, the Sefer Nevesh HaKayim is divided into four Sha'orim. A Shar basically is, is like we have in the Aramaic, the word Baba is a Shar, it's a gate. Gate meant a section. So the Shari Chuba, there's four sections of the discussions about Chuba. So he had four Sha'orim. In between the third and the fourth Shar, he, wrote, he has what's called, he calls Prokim. Some small points he wants to raise. He says, you follow me on this journey up to this point. You've learned tremendous things. You've reached high, tremendous levels. There's a concern I have that you might become a Balgai. You might become a person who has feelings of boastfulness, if it, even if not necessarily willing, you're going to express it, but you're going to have haughtiness inside your heart. And this is a dangerous thing. So he writes over here, I want you to be very careful. 
I do not want you to have feelings of holiness. You reach the level of serving God with a tremendous purity. You won't even notice that you're doing that. But you have to look out for that. It is an abomination to God, a person who has holiness in his heart. Nobody sees it. It's just in your heart. The person finds that a a abomination. This is the foundation of all problems. All Minas Rose is the foundation of is Gaiva. This feeling of Gaval Lane. I once I saw this parallel. You have in the world of Tuma, you have what's known as an Ava Tuma, primary source of Tuma. There's one source of Tuma which is called Avi Avos Tuma. It's the source of a source of Tuma. And that's the Tumas Mace. And every other, and then it, it's, a, it's a level above. It's the source of everything else. So Gaiva is that. So I wonder, what does he mean? And it hit me that I think, and he brings Chazals about how bad it is. A person who has Gaiva is like he built a Bama, and the Russian wails about him. He's pushing Hashem Kodesh away. He's like he did a Bodazora. It's like he was Kafir Baker. It's like he had, did all the Arayas. There's all the Madrashim about how bad Gaiva is. And that's, that's the continuation over there for eight Parakim of this. This is the first parak of that, these Parakim. So, why is that? So if you think about it, so Midas Rose, Taiva, Kina, Kas, they all start with the word capital I. I want, I'm jealous, uh, I'm angry. There's always that word I at the beginning of that. That's the Gaiva. You're always starting with, I'm focusing on myself. It's all about me. And therefore, I'm jealous. Therefore, I'm angry. Therefore, I have desire. Therefore, but that's always the therefore. The I is always the problem. Okay. He's kilo, he's car for baker. He's like, he did, he did a Vodazar. It's considered as if this person has served the Vodazar by being a Balgaiva. So if you look at number six, I know this, my, my, my notes are backwards. It's, it should, I shouldn't become a Balgaiva. Okay. The, this safer uh, that uh, I found this, and I actually recall I seen it once in the Simple Zisel, the Alter from Kellum's Swarm, but I could not find it again. I found it in the safer. This is an extraordinary thing to think about. Avramavinu is the first person, he's, he's the greatest philosopher who walked the face of the earth as far as we're concerned. He's three years old, he starts contemplating the, 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 the world, different than the whole society around him. He says, There has to be more. And he sticks to it, because I'll say for 45 years, the Ramam says. Until the age of 48, he comes to the final conclusion, there has to be a God. I can't stay focused on something for, for, for 10 minutes. He's focused on this thing for 45 years. He doesn't let go. He questions, he challenges, he discusses. And he comes to the conclusion that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a barrier. Extraordinary individual. The description which the Torah gives us, and which Chazal gives us, the Pesukim gives us, is Avraham Avinu is the Amur HaChesed. 
So what's the connection between the idea of being the Mura Chesed, the pillar the found, the, of Chesed to the world, that he did Chesed Abraham, and to being the Rosh Aminim, the first person who came to recognize God on his own, the Rosh Philosophim. He's the greatest philosopher who walked the face of the earth, and he's a real nice guy. Really? So I, I would like to suggest, you want to, you want to give a suggestion? I, I would suggest that it makes perfect sense. You know, let me, so after that, I'm going to go also. We both, let's see if we both agree. Can I, let me say my point and let's see if you agree with it, okay? Okay. So the way we're saying, are you focusing at yourself? Are you focusing outwards? The individual who's self-focused, the type of rights that the biggest impediment to the, world, to the moon and the Kodesh Baruch Hu is Gaiva. Is that self-focus. The person who takes himself out of the picture, he sees the world as it is. There's this gorgeous world over there. There has to be a Balabira. He also sees every human being in the world and sees their needs. So the, the Amuna in the Kodesh Baruch Hu and the Mida of Chesed of Aramavira are the exact same Mida. It's not two different things. It's two, different, it's two sides of the exact same coin. That ability to take himself out of the picture and focus outward on what, what, the, what, what, what is going on in the world around him. Okay. Moshe, we agreed? Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I, I would say it slightly differently in that Hashem gave us a, tr- a tremendous, beautiful world with everything that we need in it. And, and, and Avraham Avinu obviously saw that and said, well, God did all this kindness for us for giving us food and clothing and, and, and you name it, everything that we need. And we messed it up by, by not being kind to each other. But obviously God wants us to be kind to each other. And so he's essentially imitating God by trying to be kind to everybody. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Nice. It's not where I'm going exactly, but it's a very good point. Thank you. Okay. There's a fascinating thing about relationships in the, between two humans, be a husband and a wife, a parent to a child, two friends. Relationships are very, very important to us. They're very powerful, they're, they're very meaningful, etc. And they give our lives security, safety, they give our lives feelings of not being alone, we give their lives many, many meaning, etc. What, what is very interesting about relationships is that when your goal of your relationship is yourself, it's not really a relationship. So, the, you are the one who benefits from this relationship tremendously. You benefit much more from the relationship when you're not thinking about yourself in the relationship. When you're thinking about the other person, to care for them, to give to them, etc., you bond with them. You expand to be on yourself. If you're whole, I, I feel so lonely, therefore I want you to be my friends. So eventually the focus is the person himself, not the other person. The bond doesn't exist. The bond gets damaged. The Rosh created the world because he wants human beings to get a connection to him. If the, so we know the Rosh created the world. One purpose, Ramchal talks about this in multiple places, he wanted to be mated to the world. The Pesach doesn't say that. The Pesach says... Last mission in Sefta Zobah says that everything Russian created, what he created for his covet, for his honor. He says that everything everything in the world the Russian I, pre, I presented for the covet of a Kaddish Baruch. 
So the Russian created the world for his comfort, to create the world that he wants to give to us. And the answer is from whose from whose angle? The Russian created the world because he wants to give to us. How does he give to us? Because he allows us he allows us to bound to him. How do we bound to Kadosh Baruch Hu? By living a world where our goal is to giving comfort to Kadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, my life is more meaningful because I have a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch So I'm going to do it because I want to have the relationship. So then the focus is myself, not a Kaddish Baruch I don't really have a relationship. But if I, my focus is so the Russian created the world for his COVID, and I live my life, but that's my focus, is to be able to give in this relationship with the Kaddish Baruch just like I give in every other relationship which is important to me. I live, I have a desire to be mated to somebody else. I bond with them. And then I get that goodness that Kodesh what wants me to get. So the Russian created a world where he allowed us to live our lives. He doesn't need our covenant. He doesn't need what we're giving him. It doesn't affect him at all. But he allowed such a world because he knew that we need to be able to have a life that we can give to him. Otherwise, what are we giving? And how can we bond to him? Rav Hirsch describes the process of Geula back on page 1. If you've heard some of my drushes over the years, this is one of my recurring themes. This reverses touch of the word of the word geula. So a stranger is described as Ainli Ish Goel. Goel is the relative who takes the need of his relationship as his own and sends up for him. The stranger in ordinary countries has no one to take such a place. But the the the, the, the citizen Understands that inhabitant understands if the government is taking advantage of my neighbor, they're coming for me next. They're taking taking advantage of the illegal alien, of the alien. I'm not scared. Doesn't affect me. The 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 gear, in the sense of that Christ is going to be gay They're going to be gayrib. They're going to be sojourners. They're going to be aliens. Has nobody to care for them. That is the state of Geiris. So Rehearsh points out that Avraham Avinu is told by the, by the Brisbane of Basarim, he's told, they're going to be Geirim. They're going to be enslaved. They're going to be afflicted. The beginning of Parshas for Eiro, when Klaisel is going to be, the Geula takes place, I'm going to take away that burden. The Inui is going to be removed first. I'm going to take away the avoda. That's the second step. is the act of taking away the state of Geirus. The goyal is the one who says, "I am here to be for you. They be there for you." That's the relative the Torah describes when a person's down and out and he sells his field. The person who comes to take the field back is called the goel. He's the relative who cares. Gula is the state of a relationship with the Kodesh Baruch. You're not by yourself anymore. So, Moshe Rabbeinu's first message to Paro, before everything starts, he says, you think the Jews are somebody that's not important, nobody's there to stand up for them, you can take advantage of them, do whatever you want with them, that's not true. That's Geula. So Ramban, in number one, writes that the Sefer of Shmois is called the Sefer of Geula. So Parsha Shmois is the, the first stage, the, the, the Avdus, which sets the stage for the Geula. Veira, Bo, Veshalach, Kleisel, Yitzrayim. They come to Mount Torah, Mishpatim. They're given the details. 
Okay. I would suggest that that should be the end of Sefer Shemais. That's when the, the story of Gula ends. Karbanis, Mishkin, Karbanis, that's, that's all part of the next book. So let's take Shuma, Titzava, most of Tisisa, Vayakal Bikurim, put it together with, with the next Sefer, and we'll call that Sefer Tars Kahanim, and we'll, we'll call it the name of the Sefer will be Shuma, because it's not Vayikar, it'll be Shuma, right? Why are Shuma, Titzava, Vayakal Bikurim, and Kisisa, why is that part of Sefer Shmois? So Rabban, in his introduction to Sefer Shmois, says, because as long as we're not back to that state of being of the relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, we are still in Golos. Gula is when we come back to that state of being a relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's the last pasuk of Sefer Shmois. The Russian's presence now is hovering in Klaus. So the whole Sefer is about the others had a relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. The Russian's presence was in their lives. We lost that. We get, we get it back finally at the end of Sefer, at the end of Sefer Shemois. So it's not a geula until we get back to that, that state of being. That's the Ramban's introduction. Um... It's in that first paragraph. I just want to read that part inside. One, two, three, four, five, sixth line down. The last three words of the line. The goal only ends when they go back to their place. They go back to the, the greatness that their forefathers had, had accomplished. They're still in the state of Gula, of Golus. However, they come to Harsinai. Now the Russian, we build the Mishkan, the Russian puts its presence amongst Klaisel again. They go back to the, 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 the greatness of their forefathers. The Russian's presence hovered over the tents of the forefathers. Now they're considered Gulen. So the final moment of Geula is that. That is the Ramana saying, this is the rehearsal's point. It's a relationship. It's a presence together. Bershom is there with, uh, with Klai Yisr. So Bershom's goal is to be with Klai Yisr. But how do we do that? By focusing on the Kodesh Baruch, not on ourselves. So if the purpose of the Geula, which we're talking about the night of Pesach, is to reestablish that relationship with the Kodesh Baruch to allow the Russian's presence to become real in our lives. We're going to focus on the chassadim HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for us to the point that we are ready now to serve him. Rosh Eisman and his Haggadah points out, he says that the final goal over here is to eat the matzah and to eat the mar. There's a Mechoikis Risharnam is this mitzvah of the night of, of, of Haggadah is it a, it's a mitzvah which is independent of the mitzvah of, 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 of Pesach, matzah, and maror, or this is an intrinsic part of the eating matzah and the, and the maror and the Pesach, is to tell the story. When you tell the story and you see how much a Kaddish Baruch has done for you, and you feel that feeling of a Kaddish Baruch you are now ready to give back to a Kaddish Baruch That's what it means that you eat matzah, you eat Pesach, you eat maror. So the person who sits by the Seder and he quetches, oh, why do I have to eat so much matzah? Why do I have to eat so quick? Why is it so dry? 
he didn't get the point. The point over here is we want to serve. We, I want to give back. Right? The, 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 the parent is making lunches for the children. Right? And they're saying, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this. Yeah, some days it's really bad. It's really hard. But overall, yes, but you know, would you prefer that you didn't have to do uh, Of course not. I want to do this. The husband was helping around the house. Hopefully is saying, I want to do this. The wife was making stuff for her husband. So hopefully saying, I want to do this. I feel that I, I, a pleasure in giving because I want to give to this person. So, I would suggest the following. If you go back to page two. And number four, there's an extraordinary medrash which I hope I'm not overlo- overloading you with a lot of information. So let's, maybe just re- let's review to what we have up to this point. So we spoke about the idea of the Mida of being selfless, expressed by Rachel, by Shaul, and by Esther, is the Mida of Geula. So now we're def- we're, we said that that's by Purim. We saw the same description by Moshe Rabbeinu, and by the Shoytrim in Mitzrayim. We saw the Chidor, which says that that's why we introduced the Haggadah by starting off with this focus. I'm going to focus outwards to give to others, not to about myself. We then question, so why is it not coming? Why does it stop there? We said because the point over here is the outward focus, not just for other the others, but to relate to Kadosh Baruch Because Geula means a relationship. A relationship has to be on focusing on the other, not on myself. The other being over here, Kadosh Baruch Hu, which we can focus on him and give to him. And that's the purpose of the night, is to get to that point where we can focus and we can give. Um, we mentioned one point over here, which I, I would like to expand on a little bit. Um, my wife spoke about this more at length by her lady share on last Shabbos. Um, the, there was a man who lived in, lived in, the, in Gan Eden. His name was Adam. He lived in the perfect relationship with the Kodesh Baruch what went wrong? So Dester points out that what went wrong is he made it, he made it this consider this calculation that I can serve God greater better when there's a challenge. So his goal was service. His goal was giving. So sounds beautiful, but it's not exactly what God wanted. It's not exactly what He wanted. So on page. Two, two. There's a piece from the Kuzari, which the Kuzari says. I think the analogy would be like this. I, I, I want to bring a present to somebody. Husband wants to bring a present to his wife. He loves chocolates. There's his favorite thing, and he boutique chocolates. And he goes out and he buys this hundred dollar box of chocolates. You know, comes home and gives it to his wife. His wife doesn't like chocolates. So, she appreciates very much the thought. But, there's a sort of element like, you don't really know what I want. You're not really focused on me. You're focused on yourself. You didn't, and he does it again. It's even, le- even le- less geschmack. If we want to have a relationship with somebody, it means we have to be able to see the world, what they want, what's interesting to them, what's important to them, see it from their vantage point. 
So the Kuzari says, okay, you want a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch, that's great. You have to know what he wants. I feel so close to God when I do X. Well, is that what he wants? But I feel so close to him. So if the goal is me feeling close, that's giving chocolates. I feel so close to my wife and I go out and I buy these things which are so valuable to me and I give them away to her. But you didn't really bond. You thought about yourself. The knee is in there a little bit. The knee is in there and that we said that's going to be the source of all of the problems. Because the whole goal is to take the knee out of the picture and put a God in the picture. Or put another human being in the picture. So if I can't figure out what you want and what's really important to you, I'm just saying, I enjoy this, I would love to give it to you, I feel so close to you when I do that, I feel very spiritual. But I didn't connect to God. That's what the Kuzari says. You can build, you can come up with all these different rituals and different ways of feeling close to God. But until you hear from God what He wants, you're not really getting close to Him. And that's the idea behind the Mishkan, that there's details upon details upon details which have to be met, again and again and again and again. And then you can have a relationship with the Kodesh Baruch. So other Mauritian, by making that consideration, which even though he said, I'm giving greater glory to God, it's not what he wanted. And he, deep down, he knew that. So the Torah sees that as an Avera. And the result of that is Misa. As when there is giving is life. Mayim Chaim is what gives out. It gives forth. It gushes forth. It's, it's, go, it's, it's, it's focusing outward. What gives us Selim Elohim, that, that the Shama is inside the person and therefore the body is alive is that ability to be a giver. There was one moment where Adam Rishon a little bit put something else in over there. So the body can no longer have that power to maintain that ability to be a giver for, for years and years for immortality. Until the process of the rectification of the Bria. And that's Tuma. That's the via voice of Tuma. Because Tuma is when there's something emptied out. There was greatness there, there was Kedusha there, there was life there, and that has been emptied out. That's called Tuma. So Gaiva is the Avi Avois HaTuma. It's the primary source of all of the Tuma, of all the Averis, because it's the self-focus as opposed to the outward focus. So the last point I want to say over here is, this is Chet Egel. And there's an extraordinary Medrash, number four. So the post says, they, they went astray very quickly. So how quickly is very quickly? 40 days? 39 days? The Medrash isn't happy with that. That's not enough for the Medrash. 39 days. So the Medrash says um, in the um, one, two, three, four, five, the fifth line of the Medrash, Rameer Armor. Rameer says, even one day they, they were not totally bounded with the Kaddish Baruch The Medrash before says, the one opinion says that, that for 39 days they were, they were, they were nemmed to Kaddish Baruch they were trustworthy with Kaddish they were they were really beholden, they connect, stayed connected, they lost it the last day. The next opinion says, no, 29 days they were like that, 11 days they already were wavering. One of says, one day they were 
with the Kodesh Baruch perfectly, 300 days they were wavering. And Ramayur says, even one day not. Under Har Sinai, Ramayur says, they're already thinking about Barazara. That's extraordinary. So I would suggest, Ruchim basically says this, if I understand Ruchim correctly, that there was an element of the Anis left by them at that moment. It wasn't total negation of oneself. Now, we're asking for the Jews at the moment of accepting the Torah an extraordinary level that there's total no focus on oneself at all. Only focus on the service of the Kodesh Baruch A tremendous level. Ramayur says they didn't reach it. The root of the problem that they later on they could come and make a decision against God was because of the original acceptance there was I chose. There's that word I again. That's an extraordinary statement. We always choose. What are we supposed to do? But there's moments when it doesn't make sense to me. And I really do not want to choose that. And it's hard. And, it's, and I would really like to do otherwise. And I say, but, but God, well, that's what God wants. That's the choice which we need. But the choice is, it makes so much sense to me, and I agree with this, and it's so uplifting, and so spiritual, and so good, and all those wonderful things which support my decision. The I is going to be left over there. The Ani is there still. And that is how it's possible, 40 days later, to make a decision against God. Because at the original moment, there was a greatness that man could come to the recognition that life is about serving Kaddish Baruch Hu, And therefore, that's the best thing for us. And therefore, we're going to choose it. And there, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a tremendous level. But it's not the final. Avram Avinu chooses to serve God. Russian says, because it makes so much sense. Kaddish Baruch Hu is such a wonderful being and he gives and he's loving and I'm going to give and loving also, etc. Throw your wife out. Shecht your son. Those have to be the tests. They can't be, be nice, be really nice, be really, really, really nice. Because that makes sense to me. Then it's about what I think is right. So at the end of the day, it's my way to feel close to God. But it's about me, to some extent. Version says, okay, it makes zero sense to you. Uh, what are you going to do? I'm doing anyway. Ah, oh, now you've accepted me. And that's when Avramavino gets the relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. When I give to my partner, I give to my friend, I give to the other, I give to the Kodesh Baruch Hu, because that's what they want, even though I'm, it's, not, it's not beneficial for me, it's not about me at all, then I truly have a relationship. And that's the flow of the Haggadah. We start with this once upon a time, we, we, we didn't get that 100%. And we're going to try and rectify that again. This time we're going to say we're going to focus outwards. We're going to focus on how much Kodesh Baruch has done for me. We're going to take, take ourselves out of the picture and put a Kodesh Baruch in the center. So finally we were ready to, to come to the point where we just all we could do is give back to Kodesh Baruch by doing his mitzvahs. So Emil says if you don't take this message that the, why we have Pesach, why we have Matzah, and why we have Marer, and we don't internalize that that's what we're doing, is we're focusing on Kodesh Baruch, what he's done for us. If we don't do that, I, I enjoy, I like to taste the Matzah. That's beautiful. That's not what it's about. 
If we can internalize that message, then we're zeichet to a shir, the shir chadash of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. There's going to be a geula. There's going to be a true relationship with a Kodesh Baruch Hu. The, the distance which we feel, the godless, which is the distance, will be will begun, will be geulim, which will be represented by being together with a Kodesh Baruch Hu, with the Shechina, Beth Hashem, in our Yisrael together. Thank you for listening.